All right. Thank you, Paul. What are we going to do when he's in Nepal now? I don't know. We'll have to figure something out. But Jumping back into our series, we're in John 13, 1 to 17. You can open up there if you want. And we're talking about what Jesus says about important things. And this week, we're talking about what Jesus says about serving. What Jesus says about serving. As I said, we try to connect it to what's been going on in the life of our church um, and in the life of our uh, people. And of course, this is Veterans Day weekend. Veterans Day was Friday. And uh, that is a great form of serving uh, to our nation. Also, I, I, I did hear there was something about an election this week. Anyone hear anything about that uh, this week? And perhaps a good time to talk about the call to serving and service. And of course, our local church. We always are looking for people to serve. And people are serving the Lord here uh, regularly. Uh, The cool thing is that through much of the world, and really throughout most of history, serving was not seen as a virtue. In fact, serving was seen as something demeaning. (laughs) It's something only low people do. You don't want to be seen as a servant. But what changed that? Something actually turned the whole world upside down so that the idea of serving became a virtue, became something that we strive for, that we should want. And what changed that, I'd like to argue, is Jesus himself. (laughs) Jesus came as a servant. His whole life was characterized by service. In his birth itself, he came lowly, born of a carpenter, born in a manger, in a lowly servant's birth. His whole ministry was one of service. His foot washing of his disciples was a clear example of service in his death, he says, is a service to us as well. The master of all serves. And to follow Jesus then is to serve as he has served us. So as we look at uh, John 13, the question for all of us, are you serving? Are you serving the Lord? Are you serving your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord? John 13, we're going to do verses 1 through 17. We read this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher 
and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. As we are called to serve one another, to serve one another as Jesus has served us. That's the calling of the Christian life. And we're going to look at this in three different parts, verses 1 through 5. Serving is an act of love. It's an act of love and care. There's an outline in your bulletin. Uh, Jesus served us in the greatest way possible, verses 6 through 11. And then finally in verses 12 to 17, we serve following Jesus' example, following his example. So first, serving is an act of love. This is towards the end of Jesus' three-year ministry. This is uh, as right before the Passover. He's already meeting sort of in the upper room there. Jesus, it says, he knows that his hour has come. He knows that the cross at this point is imminent. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. He's going to be to depart out of this world and go to the Father. And it says, having loved his own who are in the world, Meaning, how, how, having loved his disciples, having loved us, ultimately, he loved them to the end. And actually, there's two ways that can be taken. Uh, it could mean he just loves them straight to the end of his ministry. Uh, to the end could also mean to the maximum, to the complete, to the highest amount, to the ultimate, ultimate to the utmost, he loved them. Verse 2, during supper when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, so Judas had already decided at this point in time he was going to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had complete control, (laughs) that Jesus was indeed going to be, uh, even though he came as a servant, he'd be restored to full authority over all things, as we saw in uh, Matthew 28, knowing that he had come from God, so Jesus knew fully that he was incarnate, born as a man, lived a perfect sinless life, and that he was going back to God after uh, his death and resurrection. What does he do? Verse 4, he rises from supper and begins to serve. Knowing all that, knowing that he is indeed the greatest, <laughs> the highest, he serves because he loves his disciples. Takes a towel, ties it around his waist, gets down low, and begins to wash the dirty, smelly feet of his disciples with a towel wrapped around him. And interestingly enough, Judas, Jesus knowing that he's going to betray him, Jesus still washes even his feet as well. And serving is an act of love. Now, there's a lot of symbolism that's happening in this passage. We're going to talk about that in the next section. Uh, but there's also a practical uh, service that he's offering around here, right here. Uh, when you walked around in the first century, you walked around typically with sandals, uh, which meant your feet got dirty, they got dusty, they got smelly. <laughs> and so somebody typically would wash the feet of uh, a guest. Uh, and usually that was the job of a slave. In fact, some people, a lot of people argued that Jewish slaves should not be subjected to that level of humiliation. That that should be only done by Gentile slaves. That's what some argued. Uh, Typically, you would never wash the foot of an equal. Never mind having the master himself get down on his knees and wash your feet. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think feet 
are kind of disgusting, right? I mean, feet are kind of gross. It kind of, just to realize the shocking, I mean, feet are, uh, just to, I'm going to gross you out a little bit, okay? So here's, here's all the issues you have with feet, or some of them. Uh, there's athlete's foot, there's blisters, there's bunions, there's calluses, there's corns, there's gout, there's ingrown toenails, there's fungus, and then there's bromidosis. Anyone know what bromidosis is? Smelly feet, that's what it is, Josh. So, smelly feet. Feet are gross. And yet here is Jesus, the master of the universe, the, the Lord of all. And what does he do? He gets down low. And he washes the feet of his disciples. Let's imagine how shocked his disciples must have been. They, they had just been arguing, who is the greatest among the disciples? Now they want to say, who's going to have the highest place within the kingdom after Jesus you know, restores everything into order and he takes his, his throne? Who gets to have, sit on his right? Who gets to sit on his left? And here Jesus lowers himself to wash feet. We see this again and again with Jesus, friends. The first will be last. The last will be first. Whoever wants to be greatest among you must be a servant of all. The way higher is lower. Jesus turns the world upside down. Actually, what I think he's doing is turning our upside down world right side up. That's what he's really doing. He's flipping it the way it's supposed to be. To really lead is to serve. Just to imagine how shocking this might be. Uh, imagine if, um, the pre- imagine if your, your CEO walks into a room, if you work for a company, and he begins to ask if anyone wants coffee. <laughs> Would you like cream with that? And he you know, goes in and serves everyone coffee, just to get a little bit of a sense of this. Uh, imagine a, a governor who stays and changes the trash and carries it out to the dumpster at the end of the day, right? Imagine a president who mops the White House floor <laughs> every day at the end of the day. That's kind of the shock of what it would be like for Jesus to stay and to serve all those around him. See, Jesus made serving a virtue. In fact, the highest virtue in Scripture, of course, is love. And the way love is most clearly displayed, according to Jesus, is to serve. Having loved his disciples to the maximum, to the utmost, he gets down low and is willing to serve. And you see that now, that we do recognize service as a virtue. And this all really, I think, comes from Jesus. What is the motto of the police? To serve and protect, right? Or protect and serve, depending on which vehicle it's on or whatever. When somebody joins the military, what are they doing? They are serving our country. And even the president now, what do we say? When somebody takes office, they are, they are honored to serve as president. We see servanthood now as a virtue because of what Jesus has done. Most, uh, we're going to recognize, of course, today, veterans, uh, those who have served our country. They, they've done it as an act of love. They're willing to, to leave their family, to leave their homeland, and to risk their lives, to even be willing, perhaps, to die for us. What an act of service that is. You know, I, the one, one thing that gets me, I'm not a big crier, but if you ever watch videos on YouTube, and you watch the, the, the videos of people who are coming home after serving in Iraq and Afghanistan, when they first see their kids, that always gets me. I can't, I can't watch that without starting to tear up, because of the service, their sacrifice to serve us. We have a lot of, as we said, uh, veterans in our midst. One of them, I just want to point out, uh, Hi, Bogosian. I went, to, uh, I have a picture for this. Uh, went to, uh, to uh, the Rotary Club and they honored Hi uh, for his Lifetime Achievement Award. And uh, you can kind of see Hi there, right? You can do, yeah, we can give him a round of applause. And uh, Hi served in the Army. 
And uh, knowing, if anyone that knows High, you know the High's not going to waste a single opportunity. So he had the opportunity to speak. Actually, he didn't get the opportunity to speak, but he told him, I want to say a few words. So he got, he went to speak and he, and he talked about how grateful he was and thanked everybody. That's, one, that's our congresswoman there next to him. And, and uh, High very shrewdly and wisely said, I want to share with you a few verses I learned when I first joined the choir at First Baptist Church, whatever it was, 70 years ago, right here in this building. And so he began to share. And remember, this is filled, a place filled with Christians and non-Christians and people of all different beliefs. My task, to love someone more dearly every day. These are the words to the song that he learned. To help a wandering child to find his way. To ponder on a noble thought and pray. And smile when evening falls. And smile when evening falls. This is my task, to follow truth as blind men long for light, to do my best from dawn of day till night, to keep my heart fit for his holy sight. This is my task. This is my task. And then my Savior by and by to meet, I'll lay my homage at the Master's feet within the jasper walls, within the jasper walls, this crown is my task. Our calling is to serve as our Savior serves us. And the more you look at Scripture, the more you realize how servanthood is at the center of everything in Scripture. Uh, what are angels? Angels are ministering spirits, serving spirits. And if that isn't clear enough, when Hebrews describes them, he says, they says angels are ministering spirits sent to serve us who believe. Jesus in the Old Testament is described, the coming Messiah is described as the suffering servant, the one who suffers for us. Israel was commonly called what? The servant of the Lord in the Old Testament, meant to bring the light to the nations. The word deacon just means servant in the church. And even on Sunday mornings, what do we call this? We call this a worship service. Because it's our way of serving the Lord and bringing him worship. Jesus has flipped the world upside down, has made servants, servanthood the highest calling and the highest virtue. To me, I'll just say, missionaries are always a great example to me of, of servants. You know, those who, who quietly serve all around the world without recognition, without looking for any. In fact, I met one recently as a former Marine, retired Marine, serving, and he said, do not mention my name or post any pictures of me, please. For one, because I might get kicked out of the country I'm serving in a mission, as a missionary, but doesn't want the attention, doesn't want the recognition, doesn't want the praise. And friends, I just say there are Christians all over the world humbly and faithfully serving God's kingdom. Sometimes they go noticed. Like, for example, by Nicholas Kristof, a columnist for the New York Times. I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he wrote an article called A Little Respect for Dr. Foster about an unknown evangelical Christian doctor who ran a rural hospital in, in Angola where the child mortality rate was the highest in the world. He raised his family in one of the most dangerous places possible. So here's this New York Times columnist, and he writes this. I must say that a disproportionate share of the aid workers I've met in the wildest places over the years, long after anyone sensible had evacuated, had been evangelicals, nuns, or priests. Recognize, friends, that those who follow Christ are those who follow the call to serve.
Because serving is an act of love. Look where we go from there, verses 6 through 11, that Jesus served us in the greatest way possible. In the greatest way possible. He gave his life for us. Uh, Jesus goes around and he washes uh, the feet of all his disciples. And uh, you get the impression that they all sort of uh, take the, the foot washing with a spirit of silence. Uh, with a spirit of solemnity, recognizing what he's doing. This is an intimate setting in the upper room there, except for Peter. I mean, Peter just can't keep his mouth shut, right? So he gets to Peter, and uh, Peter says, no, what are you doing, Lord? Uh, and, and Jesus says, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I have to wash your feet. You don't understand what I'm doing. And, and Peter says, never, never am I going to let you subject yourself as my servant to get down on, on your knees and to wash my feet. It'll never happen. And so what does Jesus say? Well, if I can't wash your feet... Uh, Peter, then you have no part with me, which is going to get into the symbolism. So what does Peter do? He flips it to the exact opposite. Okay, well, Lord, then if, you, if, it's, if you're going to wash my feet, then you've got to wash my hands and my head as well. Give me a whole bath. <laughs> you almost want to say, shh, Peter, just be quiet and let Jesus do what he's doing, right? I mean, he's so uh, zealous here. But Jesus uses this as an important illustration. He says, if you've had a bath, you're clean, except for your feet, which still need to be washed. And so Jesus clearly is bringing in the fact that there, there's more to this than just a simple act of service. There's something very important, something very symbolic being said here. And I think of the idea, of course, is that he makes us clean from our sin, from our filth, spiritually, from our guilt, and from our shame. That little note about washing your feet, most commentators take that and say that when we're clean in Jesus, we still have to sort of live in this fallen world and we still sin and so we need to regularly confess our sins and seek repentance and and so forth. That's the idea of our feet still getting dirty as we live in this world. But in Jesus, we are clean. It's not just a matter of cleaning our feet, it's that Jesus cleans us from sin. Jesus' whole ministry was one of serving us. The master dies for his people. The assumption here, friends, is that we we can't clean ourselves. We can't clean ourselves. We have to be cleaned by Jesus. I love the examples of cleaning in Scripture. Just a couple here. In the Old Testament, some of you guys have heard of this. Naaman uh, was a, a man who had leprosy. And he couldn't, he wanted to be healed of his leprosy. And he hears a story about a specific prophet uh, that lives in Israel. So he gets permission to go to Israel uh, and to meet this prophet. And the prophet says, here's all you got to do. I want you to go in the river. I want you to wash and be clean. And actually, the guy gets kind of upset. I wanted him to do some great, tell me to do some great deed or something like that. And so one of his servants says to him, this is 2 Kings uh, 5, verse 12. So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near to him and said, my father, it is, a gr- it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? Simple as that. Similarly, in the New Testament, there's a leper outside the city, an outcast, unable to touch anyone. One, because of the fear of the spread of leprosy, but also because he'd be considered spiritually unclean. So imagine this man hasn't felt a human touch in years. And he meets Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, would you make me clean? And I love it. What Jesus does, he doesn't just say be clean. He reaches out and he touches the leper first. (laughs) And he says, I am willing. Be clean. Friends, the message is that we can't make ourselves clean. 
from sin. Yes, we can take a bath and a shower or whatever it is and clean ourselves from the dirt of this world, but we can't remove the guilt of sin. How many of you guys like Shakespeare? Anyone like Shakespeare? All right, a few people. Famous line in Shakespeare and Macbeth. Lady Macbeth, who was implicit in the murder of the king so that her husband could take the office. But the, the level of guilt that she feels afterward literally drives her insane. She finds herself trying to wipe away spots of blood that aren't even there. There's that famous line, Out, damned spot, out, I say. One, two, why then? Tis time to do it. Hell is murky. Yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? Long as she wipes and she cleans, she can't remove the guilt of sin on her life. And friends, that's true of us. We need someone to make us clean. That's Jesus' message in cleaning the feet of his disciples. I'm here to make you clean from sin. To be a Christian is to accept that Jesus served you. He served you by cleaning you. He washes you from your sin. Something that you could never do on your own. Let's never forget this, friends. Jesus is the servant, capital S. If Jesus didn't serve us, we die in our sin, period. We can't do it. We have to accept his service to us and what he does in cleaning us. Christianity is not a religion. It is those who have been served by Jesus, those who have been rescued by him, those who have been made clean by the Lord. We celebrate, we rejoice in this gospel. We worship a servant. That's what we do. All creation is heading to worship a servant, one who came in humility and served us. What do we do with that? Verses 12 to 17, we serve by following Jesus' example. We serve by following Jesus' example. Look at verses 12 to 17. When he had washed their feet, he puts on his outer garment, he resumes his place, and he says, do you understand what I have done to you? And then he clarifies that I'm your, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. I like how he adds, you're right. <laughs> I am the teacher and the Lord, so it's not a, a, he's not saying I'm not really the teacher, I'm not really the Lord. I really am your teacher and Lord, but what have I done? I've given you a perfect example of what a teacher and a Lord should do. I have got down low and served you. I have washed your feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. And he gives the same sort of example when he says a servant is not greater than a master. So if I'm your master and I'm willing to get down and do the most low degrading thing in serving others and you are my servants, then ultimately nothing is too low for you to do to serve others. And he ends by verse 17. If you do these things, you'll be blessed. I think the blessing is either in the service itself or the blessing comes from the Lord as we do, as we serve him. Well, how do we wash each other's feet? That's the calling, to follow Jesus' example and to wash each other's feet. Some have taken this literally, um, that, uh, or sacramentally, depending on how you want to define that there, that we should literally, we should, or as a sacrament, we should wash each other's feet. Uh, they, people have foot washing ceremonies. Anyone ever been to a foot washing ceremony? A handful of people? I, I have never been to one. I've never been. I know sometimes they do them in weddings and things like that. And I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been to a lot of services. I've actually never been to one, although I know they, they have them. People go out and they have foot washing services. Husband washes his wife's feet. Wife washes her husband's feet and so forth. So, uh, but I don't think that's what he's getting at here. 
I don't think he's saying you need to literally wash each other's feet unless that was really an act of service that was needed in a particular situation. I think he's saying we're willing, we should be willing to serve one another. We're not better than Jesus and he washed feet. So therefore, be willing to serve one another in whatever way is an act of love and care for each other. We fight against our flesh that says, I am no one's servant. I shouldn't have to do this. This, is, this work is beneath me. We recognize, friends, the call to service is really the call to Christian life. Serving is what Christians do. It's just what Christians do. We serve. It's a core value here for our church. Uh, there are many ways to serve. Uh, those who have served in the military, as we said, but not all people can be in the military, obviously. Uh, if everyone's in the military, then there's nobody at home that you're fighting for, right? So not everyone's in the military. There are different ways to serve. There are those who serve in the community. Uh, there are those who serve in business. Uh, I have a, a friend who's a salesman, and uh, he hates the fact that salesmen get, always get a bad rap. You know, everyone always looks down upon salesmen. He says, I see sales as an honor, not only an honorable uh, calling, but also really as an opportunity to serve people. I believe in the product that I'm selling, and I don't want to give the product to someone who doesn't want it, but I do see it as a, a real benefit for people's lives, and I see it, my job, as a way of serving people by bringing them this product. I think it's the right attitude towards looking at business and looking at at sales. It's not a bad thing at all. It can be a way of serving. There are those who serve in education. There are those who serve in social services here too. But of course, we all serve in the local church. There are all different ways to serve. Uh, we had our leadership retreat just a couple weeks ago. I think I have a picture of that. That's just a handful of the people that were, that's just the people that were at that. A handful of the people who are serving in, in our church. We had 26 people, I think, uh, there. And uh, which just says a lot, a church of our size, which isn't that big, uh, that there are 26 people who come to a leadership retreat willing to, to serve. And again, there are many people who couldn't be there who serve in our church. In fact, I heard yesterday we had our packing party for uh, the shoeboxes, and it was a full house. And just people were very generous. People were generous with their time, uh, with their gifts. And we just have a congregation that, that loves to serve. I've heard, you know, this that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And I've heard that you can't beat that rule. It's impossible. In any, any business, in any organization, any church, 20% always do 80% of the work. I would like to question that for our church. Really, honestly. I think there, there's far more people than 20% who do the majority of the work here. I also even noticed the, the choir this morning looked like it doubled in size overnight. I don't know what happened there. So uh, it just all of a sudden, uh, Pastor Mike said it's kind of like the Magwise, you know, the, those who... No, no one grew up in the 80s and 90s there, you know, the gremlins. Just all of a sudden, it sort of began to expand. I don't know what happened, but people love to serve. We serve in all different ways. We serve by teaching. We serve by ushering. We serve by greeting. We serve by cleaning. We serve by the person who stays behind and locks up at the church. We serve by prayer, praying for our congregation. Every Wednesday night at 6.30, you're welcome to come. Right now, there are, there are people upstairs serving us by taking care of our kids in the nursery and in Kid Town. We serve by giving. Giving is a form of service, by the way. And friends, I just want to encourage you to be regularly giving. We give different options to give. You can give online. That's how I choose to give. You can give. You can save it and give here on Sunday morning. Whatever is your desire. But you serve our congregation by your generosity. You serve by giving good and wise counsel to someone who comes to you with a different need or looking for advice. There are those who serve in the cafe, running it or bringing in uh, 
breakfast and things like that. There's those who serve by mowing the lawn. You know, this lawn doesn't get mowed by itself. Somebody stays here and mows it in the summer and spring and into the fall. We serve by missions, those who are sent to go and spread the gospel. Communion doesn't just automatically get cut into little pieces and get put on a table here. Somebody is serving behind the scenes there. Finances, there are those who are working hard and are making sure that we're very cautious in how we handle our finances and use what God has given us to the best ability. There are those who serve by cooking. Uh, sometimes it's, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a blessing and a curse because it smells so good in here <laughs> on Sunday morning that it's hard to, it's actually a distraction because they're getting ready for the meal at two o'clock. Uh, there are copies that need to be made from the bulletin in your hands. There are those who serve just by simply listening when you talk. Friends, volunteers keep this church running. <laughs> Honestly, the staff doesn't keep this church running. Well, Kina kind of keeps this church running. But, uh, but besides her, our volunteers keep this church running because they have the heart of a servant. They're following the example of the servant, capital S. Be a player in the game. Don't be a bench warmer. Be someone who jumps in and serves. I like what uh, Bill Hybels, a pastor out in Illinois, said. Every local churchgoer has a choice to make. He can park in his usual spot in the church parking lot, make his way to a comfortable seat in the favorite row, watch a good service, chat with friends, and then go home. That choice makes for a nice, safe Sunday morning experience. Or he or she can throw himself into an adventure by rolling up his sleeves, joining a team of like-minded servants, and helping to build the local church God has called him to be a part of. God has called us, friends, to not just be people who sit here on Sunday mornings, but people who are involved in serving the Lord as we serve one another. What does Jesus say about serving? That we are called to serve as Jesus has served us. And he served us in the greatest way possible. He served our greatest need by giving his life. Friends, a servant's main goal and main reward is to please her or his master. That's what a servant's goal is, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant in that last day. Yes, we serve one another, but not because we are each other's masters. We serve one another because Jesus is our Lord, and he is the servant of all servants. The one who served us, the one we get to serve. Pray with me. Our gracious Father, we do thank you so much for those who have served our country on this Veterans Day weekend, many in this very congregation, and many, Lord, who went and never came home, and many in our families, extended families, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, moms and dads, uncles and aunts, and so forth. We are grateful, Lord, that they took on the mantle of servanthood because they believe that servanthood is an act of love for our country and for other people. We thank you so much, Lord, that we worship the servant of all servants, the servant with a capital S, the servant of the Lord, the suffering servant, the one who came not just to wash the feet of his disciples, but to do what that symbolizes, to cleanse us from our sin, to make us clean. In the only way that was possible was to lay down his life to take our place upon the cross, to die our death. 
Thank you so much, Lord. Let us worship you as the servant and receive the work of your service for us because we could never make ourselves clean. And Lord, what is more, let us follow the example of our servant, Lord. Let us follow his example and serve one another, to wash each other's feet, to look for ways that we can care for one another. Whatever that may be, maybe that's within this local church and different ways to serve here or in our community or for our nation. Lord, you are a gracious God. You have been so kind and so merciful to us. Help us to reflect your image back to you in worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.